It's Tuesday, August 15, 2023. And this is Uranium Spotlight, your weekly podcast dedicated to delivering the latest news and events shaping the uranium fuel market and its critical role in the global energy landscape. Brought to you by PurePoint Uranium Group, trading on the TSX Venture and the OTCQB. PurePoint actively operates a portfolio of advanced uranium projects in the world's richest uranium district and has established partnerships with some of the largest uranium suppliers worldwide. While our passion for this subject is undeniable, it's essential to clarify that the information presented here is not investment advice. Instead, our goal is to offer an unbiased and comprehensive review of recent events that could impact uranium prices. And now your host, Chris Frostad. This week on Uranium Spotlight, we'll be discussing small modular reactors and their expanding adoption. We've got several reactor stops and reactor starts to talk about, as well as an expansion of nuclear capacity around the world. We'll wrap up with an update on the situation in Niger and a look at the uranium equities. But first, last week's uranium prices. Once again, there was little activity on the spot market, which has become the norm this summer. As a matter of fact, there was only one transaction noted last week that gave the spot price a small last-minute bump. Over the course of the summer, the spot price hasn't moved much off the $56 mark and closed on Friday at $56.75 U.S. per pound U308. The term uranium market was no less quiet last week with no reported new demand or contract awards. Small modular reactors, or SMRs, are a technology based on the nuclear reactors in military nuclear submarines. Their attraction is based on the fact that they share the capability of large-scale reactors to generate carbon-free baseload electricity, but they'll likely be cheaper and quicker to build than conventional reactors because of their smaller size. The United Kingdom is open to competition funded by Great British Nuclear to see who will build Britain's fleet of small modular reactors. Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates' Terra Power will vie for the opportunity to develop its mini nuclear power plant designs against other competitors such as Rolls-Royce, General Electric, and Hitachi. Rolls-Royce is leading a British consortium designing small modular reactors and has secured substantial government funding for the project. Rolls-Royce's advanced designs position it well in the international competition for the best MSR project. SMRs are critical to the UK's energy strategy, and Rolls-Royce aims to export its designs, creating jobs and boosting the economy. On the other hand, Terra Power's natrium reactor has unique capabilities, such as energy storage and release, making it highly competitive. The UK government is pushing to expand nuclear power, and Terra Power expects to be a strong contender, with advanced designs and significant financial backing. China National Nuclear Corporation has also achieved a major milestone in the installation of its multi-purpose SMR Linglong-1. The core module, which integrates pressure vessel, evaporator, and primary pump receiver, was successfully lifted and moved to the nuclear island. This marks the peak phase of Linglong-1's installation and represents a historic step in global nuclear miniaturization. The modular design and standardized construction shorten the construction period, reduce costs, and enhance safety. Last week, the world saw a few gains and a couple of setbacks in the addition of new reactors. The UK's Hinkley Point C nuclear power plant faces potential delays due to construction setbacks, potentially starting the reactors 15 months later than planned. Meanwhile, South Africa's Coburg nuclear plant has also experienced delays in maintenance on one of its units, which is now expected to be completed in November 
after encountering logistical obstacles and workforce integration challenges. In Michigan, despite the push to restart the Palisades plant, decommissioning work continues on the plant on that side of the 49th parallel. On the flip side, Canada's Hydro-Quebec has said that it could bring its Gentilly II reactor back into service after removing it from service in 2012. Finally, Ontario Power Generation celebrated the successful early completion of a unit at the Darlington Nuclear Generating Station, showcasing the value of planning, innovation, and skilled workforces. In addition, Bruce Power's Unit 6 achieved a sustained fission chain reaction, marking a milestone in its major component replacement project, a significant investment in extending the life of nuclear power plants and producing clean energy for Ontario. Countries around the world are expanding their nuclear capacity at an ever-increasing pace, including Iran, the U.S., and France. Last week, Iran announced its intentions to continue expanding its nuclear fleet. Iran aims to increase its nuclear power generation capacity to 20 gigawatts. The Beshar nuclear power plant, which has generated over 60 billion kilowatt hours, has helped save the equivalent of 90 million barrels of oil. Construction is ongoing at the Karun nuclear power plant, and the completion of the Busher units two and three is a priority. Iran has ambitious plans for new nuclear capacity in various provinces, reflecting its determination to expand its nuclear energy capabilities. The U.S. Energy Information Administration predicted that utility-scale generating capacity in the United States will grow by 35.2 gigawatts in the second half of 2023, with the start of commercial operation at Vocal 3 in Georgia providing a significant boost. Finally, France has once again become the biggest net exporter of power in Europe, surpassing Sweden, while Germany has transitioned from being an exporter to an importer. Germany's shift to importing energy is a direct result of the closure of its nuclear power plants. France's increased nuclear capacity has allowed it to export much more energy, particularly to Great Britain. Sweden and Spain also maintained their net exporting positions due to factors such as stable exports and renewable generation growth. As an update to our last report, Niger's military junta has said that it plans to prosecute ousted President Mohamed Bazoum for high treason and undermining national security, resisting international pressure to return him to power after the recent coup. As we noted, the West African country is one of the world's larger exporters of uranium, supplying 15% of France's fuel used to power its fleet of reactors and a fifth of the uranium used across the EU. So far, however, there have not been any major threats to Niger's supply of uranium to those countries. Despite growing demands for Bazoum's release, the junta announced its intent to charge him, further indicating its defiance. West Africa's regional bloc activated a standby force to potentially intervene against the junta, aiming for a peaceful return to democracy while leaving all options, including force, on the table. This threat escalates tensions and raises concerns over Niger's stability, as it was an advocate for closer ties with the West prior to the coup. Uranium companies working in the region have stated that while the situation in Niger remains fluid, the country remains relatively calm and their work continues. As we noted, uranium equities seem to react in somewhat lockstep with the spot price of uranium. The spot price, however, has sat fairly constant over the last 12 months with a 52-week average of about $52 US per pound U308. That is slightly less than last week's close of $56.75 and significantly lower than the incentive price necessary to turn on a uranium mine. During 2023, we've seen uranium equities drift down from their highs in the previous two years to match the spot price levels. 
with the exception, of course, of Cameco, currently trading at its 52-week high. Breaking that down, we see producers overall making slight gains over the summer, while the developers remained flat. Explorers, on the other hand, have continued to edge down, with practically all now sitting at their 52-week lows. That brings us to our equity story of the week, Explorer F3 Uranium. The company released assay results from their drilling at the JR Zone, which they've been expanding since their discovery there last November. Results from their PLN 23068 hole returned 18 meters of 8.8% U308, which included 11.5 meters at 13.7%, and further included an astounding 4.5 meters at over 30% U308. F3 provides an excellent example of what can happen when an explorer makes a true discovery in Canada's prolific Athabasca Basin. Prior to the release of their initial assays last December, F3's share price sat close to their 52-week low of 6.5 cents per share. Almost immediately after reporting their discovery, the stock price jumped and has remained at a weighted average share price of 38 cents throughout 2023. This represents a 575% gain. And that wraps up your Uranium Spotlight coverage for this week. For more news and events from the world of uranium, please tune in next week to Uranium Spotlight. You've been listening to Uranium Spotlight, your weekly podcast dedicated to delivering the latest news and events shaping the uranium fuel market and its critical role in the global energy landscape. Brought to you by PurePoint Uranium Group, advancing its position as the premier uranium explorer in the world's richest uranium district. Join us again next week for Uranium Spotlight.